You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome to the Latin American History Podcast, episode 73, The Conquest of Peru, part 12. When Almagro and his men emerged from the Atacama Desert and into Peru, they made their way to a town which is today called Arequipa. There, or on their way there, they became aware of the changed political situation which confronted them. Mango had rebelled, and the Spanish were confined to Cusco and Lima. Cusco was definitely under siege, and it was unclear what the situation was in Lima. From Almagro's point of view, this was obviously worrying. All the work they, the Spanish, had put in looked to be undone, and they appeared to be close to being driven out of Peru completely. Being a Spanish conquistador, though, as Almagro analysed the situation, he saw opportunity and a chance to further his newfound determination to dislodge Pizarro. He had come expecting to confront Pizarro, either with force or with diplomacy. Now it seemed it was Manco he would have to confront instead, which still meant a confrontation, but with Pizarro seemingly in a weak position, if he could save the Spanish, and he would be in a good place to get what he wanted out of the colony. He had another advantage in his relatively good personal relationship with Manco. If anyone could get Manco to sit down and negotiate some sort of agreement, it was Almagro. He had two reasons, then, for making the decision to go to Manco first. One for the good of the Spanish as a whole, to try and talk him into ending the rebellion and the other for his own personal motives, to sideline Pizarro while doing it. Almagro sent a letter in which he presented himself as having returned from Chile to help Manco. He said that he had heard about the actions of the Pizarro brothers, and hinted that once he had restored order, the culprits might be sent back to Spain to be punished by the king. 
He portrayed not just himself as a good and honest person who was looking out for Manco, but also the Spanish project as a whole. He argued that it was a functioning and fair one, one where if people like the Pizarros misbehaved, there were consequences, and where, though it was regrettable that this had happened, Manco had rights. Things could go back to how they were before, but with him pulling the strings instead of Pizarro. He also included some not-so-subtle and definitely exaggerated hints about the size of the army he controlled. This wasn't a direct threat to Manco. He wanted his letter to remain friendly. But at the same time, it couldn't hurt to make it clear that if things didn't work out, he would be a difficult opponent to deal with. His next move was to follow the letter towards the Yukai Valley, where he arranged to meet with Manco. When the Pizarro brothers in Cusco heard about Almagro's return, and that he was going to Manco before checking on what was happening in Lima, or trying to end the siege in Cusco, they recognised that Almagro's motivations were largely personal, rather than for the good of all the Spanish in Peru. This is, after all, probably what they would have done in his place, so they knew what he was up to. Although there was a pretense that the Spanish were all in it together, now you had three factions. Mancos, Almagros and Pizarros. And each was willing to play politics to come out on top. Hernando Pizarro decided that his best move was to try to outflank Almagro. An alliance between him and Manco was too much for them to deal with. But on the other hand, an alliance between his faction and Manco would be too much for Almagro. He also sent Manco a letter with a similar offer to the one made by Almagro. If you end the rebellion, there'll be no consequences, and we can talk about what we all do next. He also reminded Manco that his brother was the king's representative in Peru, and that Almagro technically held no legal power here. So the strategy for both Spanish factions was to try to end the rebellion, and align the rebels with their side at the expense of the other. Manco appeared to be in quite a powerful position, as the Spanish competed for his help. We know, however, that this position wasn't as strong as it looked. His attack on Lima had failed, and his best general was gone. Francisco Pizarro obviously knew this too, and so he pursued a different strategy to his brother. Rather than allying with Manco, he decided the best thing to do was to create a truce with Almagro, deal with the rebellion, and then the Spanish could turn on each other. He made an offer. The king's orders about which land would belong to Pizarro and which to Almagro had been defined by a line of latitude. As all of this was new land to the Spanish, and they had spent most of their time in Peru busy with the conquest, they hadn't had much time to dedicate to things like mapping. Pizarro's messengers told Almagro that in return for working together, once the rebellion was over, they would commit to a survey to make completely sure that Cusco was not on Almagro's side of the line. They said that if it was, they would honour Almagro's claim. Obviously, with this message 
came the information that Lima and Pizarro were safe. Pizarro was sending an army to relieve Cusco. Both parties would have been very confident that this would not be the end of the dispute, but it made sense for El Magro to agree to it in principle, while still proceeding to his meeting with Manco. He could decide which one to betray later on. Manco, of course, also knew that things had not gone well in Lima, and had received news that this new army was on its way. This influenced his decision-making. He could choose one Spanish faction, or even play their game, and commit to both, in the hope that they ended up turning on each other first. Despite his affection for Almagro, by this point, however, he had learnt from experience that he could not trust any of them. Taking their promises at face value was out of the question. Perhaps he did not trust himself to politic as effectively as Almagro and Pizarro, or perhaps he was just completely fed up with them, and was led by anger rather than cold, calculating strategy. Despite his weakened position after events in Lima, he decided that he would engage with neither of them. He was right that getting involved in the scheming of the two conquistadors was a dangerous game to play. While it was flimsy, the fact that Pizarro and Almagro had already made a deal to potentially double-cross him is perfect evidence of this. However, now that the Spanish were reinforced, his principal stand would make it harder for him to push them back. When Almagro approached, Manco organised an ambush. As Almagro made his way up the Juque Valley, Inca soldiers were taking up positions on the hills above. The Inca town of Calca, where they had agreed to meet, was empty, and soon after they had arrived, Almagro's men were attacked. The plan was well executed, and Almagro was forced to quickly retreat. He fled across the river, and he only just managed to escape. While impressive, this victory was not the first in a glorious campaign for Manco. He realised that he needed to consolidate his forces, and so, after almost a year, he withdrew his troops and ended the siege of Cusco. If Almagro had decided to try and relieve the Spanish trapped inside, Manco may not have been able to fight them off, and that was before taking into account the army which was on its way up from Lima. That army was not composed of the men who had helped Francisco Pizarro to defend Lima. Instead it was made up of new reinforcements. Before the rebellion, when things had been going smoothly for the Spanish, they had begun the process of trying to expand beyond the centre of the Inca Empire. An army had been sent to northern Peru to consolidate control of the Chachapoya people. You might possibly remember them from all the way back in episode 12, when I gave a brief outline of their civilization. They had been incorporated into the Inca Empire not long before the Spanish showed up, but they were an independently-minded people, and it had taken a hard-fought campaign to do this. They had spent the intervening years continuing to resist. Naturally, this made them amenable to allying with the Spanish and helping them against the Inca. This did not mean that they would be rewarded, however. 
Pizarro had sent his army up to turn the Chachapoya from allies into subjects. Being isolated in this far-flung region, it had taken this army quite a while to finally discover what was going on in the rest of Peru. But when they did, they rushed back to assist. By the time they got to Lima, the siege was ended. But Pizarro sent them straight up to Cusco. Their job was, of course, to break the siege, but also to fend off Almagro, if that turned out to be required. They were led by a man named Alonso de Alvarado, and he was the nephew of our old friend Pedro, Cortez's trusted general in Mexico, who had made the brief cameo in this story a few episodes back, when he arrived in Ecuador and quickly turned round. Alonso had followed his uncle to Mexico, and then came with him to Peru. When the older Alvarado agreed to go back to Guatemala, Alonso appears to have stayed, and I can't find any real information about exactly how it happened. But rather than being seen as an interloper, he was given control of the mission to Chachapoyas. How much he knew about events between Almagro and Manca is unknown, but now it looked like he would arrive to a newly free city, and presumably begin the process of organising the promised survey with Almagro. There was to be another twist in the story before he arrived, however. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having been beaten back by Manco, and having heard about the end of the siege, Almagro turned his attention to Cusco. He and his army camped outside the city, sending a message to Hernando Pizarro, in which he tried to present himself as a loyal ally. He said that he'd been very successful in Chile, and that he'd returned as soon as he had heard about the rebellion. Hernando wasn't having any of it. He knew that Almagro had gone to Manco first, instead of trying to help him or Lima. Rather than talking to him, Hernando started refortifying the city. The survivors of the siege were tired and few in number. When it became clear that it was going to come to a confrontation between the Pizarros and Almagro, many of them judged that they would be better off taking Almagro's side. When he decided to enter the city and take control of it, 
about half of them joined him, rather than resisting, and only a small group actively tried to defend the converted Inca palace, which the Pizarro brothers had chosen to turn into an improvised castle. Soon the defenders were forced to surrender. Hernando and Gonzalo were captured and held prisoner by Almagro. The taking of Cusco and the imprisonment of the Pizarro brothers represents a pivotal moment for Almagro. It was obvious that there was to be some kind of conflict with Pizarro, but this was the first open act of hostility, the moment from which there was no going back. He had seen a short window of opportunity as Manco withdrew his army, and he had taken it. So his first move had been a decisive and successful one, and he had gained the thing he wanted most, Cusco. The two remaining partners, who had initially conceived of sailing south into unknown territory as equals, were now enemies, and they would never work together again. Almagro couldn't sit back and celebrate, however. Overwhelming the small group of Pizarro loyalists was the easy part. He still had to deal with Alonso's army, which was about to arrive and to discover what he'd done. The taking of the two Pizarro brothers as prisoners was a good move. If they had not survived, then there would have been no negotiation possible, probably ever again. Now, however, he had some bargaining power, although it doesn't appear that he judged this to be the time to use it. He may have been able to negotiate some sort of deal with Alonso, but instead he chose to fight. He sent his soldiers out to ambush Alonso, at a place called Abancay. The man who was leading this army was called Rodrigo Ogonez, and his story is worth telling as it's quite interesting. Last episode when I mentioned that de Soto had been turned down for the trip to Chile, it was Ogonez who had been chosen instead. He had therefore been Almagro's second-in-command throughout their time down there. His route to that position was not a common one, and he had made it there through a mix of ambition and ingenuity. He was born and raised as Rodrigo Mendez in the town of Oropesa in central Spain. His parents were relatively poor, and their family business was shoemaking. They were Jewish, and when Ferdinand and Isabella decided to expel Spain's Jewish population, they made the decision to convert rather than leave. In theory, this gave them security. But often the conversos, as the converts were known, faced suspicion, and they found it hard to move up in society. As a young man, Ogonez had been involved in some sort of fight, and he had to flee Oropesa to escape the resulting consequences. It's not clear what the dispute was about, or whether these were legal consequences, or the threat of more violence. Forced to make a new life for himself, he joined the army, and he took part in the campaigns in Italy. Spain was fighting against France there, and after the Battle of Pavia, the French king was captured. Orgonez was one of the men in the unit which surrounded him. This did a lot for his reputation, as had the ability he had shown during the rest of his time in Italy. He could, however, only achieve so much due to his social background. Frustrated, on his return to Oropesa, he decided to invent a new one. He renamed himself, taking the surname of a local nobleman, Juan de Orgonez, and he started telling everyone, including Juan, 
that he was his son. Juan always denied this, and so Rodrigo sailed to Panama before joining up with the expedition in Peru. Having got in early, he was given land and had made it much further up the social ladder than he could have been expected to, given his childhood status. This wasn't enough for him, however. He wanted the king to give him an official government position somewhere in Peru. But to be considered, he needed to have his manufactured claim to nobility recognised. To the likely bewilderment of the old noble back in Spain, Rodrigo started sending letters directly to the king, in which he repeated his claims to be Juan's son. In the end, the issue would never be settled. Ogonez was in overall command of Almagro's army, and of the several hundred Spaniards which formed part of it. It was Pauyu, the brother of Manco, who had gone with them to Chile, who was in charge of the much larger number of indigenous soldiers. Together, they chose a place to start the battle, and they decided to attack at night. Everything came together perfectly. Taken by complete surprise, Alonso and his army were barely able to fight back at all. Some of his men switched sides, giving Almagro more soldiers to fight Pizarro with. Alonso was captured. Almagro now had three high-value prisoners to use in negotiations. His faction was in the ascendancy, and although Pizarro was far from beaten, and as we've seen many times during this series, things could turn around quickly, this was a good start. Things were about to get still easier for him, because of decisions made by the third rival power fighting for control of Peru. Despite his success in Jucay against Almagro, Manco Inca had come to the conclusion that the Spanish were too powerful to fight directly. We can never know if with good military leadership and clever politicking to exploit the rift between Pizarro and Almagro, he might have been able to see them off and restore Inca power. The fact that no people in the Americas were ultimately able to do this suggests not. But starting with Quisquis and continuing with Quizo, and then his latest successful ambush in Yuque, they had proven that they had learned how to fight the Spanish, and to achieve some success. Both of those generals were now dead though, and the damage done to the empire while he and Quisquis had been rebelling was compounded by the fact that the Spanish had started to settle Peru in larger numbers. It was not just an army that would need removing. On top of this, the Spanish successes against the Inca had proven to the various, sometimes already rebellious, non-Quechua peoples that it was possible to resist them. And then, of course, you already had the damage that had been done by the original civil war. If Manco had managed to defeat Pizarro and Almagro, and if a new group of Spaniards had not turned up soon afterwards, what was there left to rebuild? In this hypothetical scenario, it seems unlikely that the empire could have existed in anything like the state it had originally been in. I personally believe that Manco didn't originally want to rebel either, but he was forced into it. He did so having been given no real choice, and although once he had, he had done pretty well, I don't think that he had the same ruthless character as the conquistadors he was up against, or perhaps even his ancestors who had been so effective at building the empire. 
Having weighed all this up, Manco didn't exactly give up, but he did decide to abandon the heart of his Inca empire and to retreat to a place called Vilcabamba, to the north of Cusco. While this is not too far on the map, the region was cut off by difficult and mountainous geography, and it had never been an important part of the empire. It was also an easy place to defend, and from here Manco could establish true independence, in the hope of one day retaking his capital. This isn't the end of the Inca, and we will return to them both in this series and at some point in the future. The polity which Manco founded in Vilcabamba is today known as the Neo-Inca state, and whether you see it as a new state or simply a continuation of the Inca empire in a much diminished form, it will exist for decades. The Inca, however, will never sweep back up to their highland home to drive the Spanish out. They are finished as a serious threat. From now on, the battle for control of Peru is between rival Spaniards. If you've enjoyed this episode, or the podcast in general, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. It really helps new people discover the podcast. If you really, really liked it, there is the option to give a small donation. There's a link in the show notes about how to do this. The podcast also has Facebook and Twitter pages on which I put up interesting information I find about the history of Latin America. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Latin American History Podcast, written and recorded by Max Sargent. For more information, visit the website www.maxargent.com slash the history of Latin America. And that's spelled M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to get in contact at History of Latin America Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching for the Latin American History Podcast. The Twitter handle is at History Latin AM. And if you've liked the show, you can help out by leaving a review on iTunes. Alternatively, if you visit the website, you'll see that each episode is accompanied by relevant photos. Most of these are my own, taken during my time in Latin America. All these photos and more are available to purchase as prints at my Etsy shop. You can find this at www.etsy.com slash photo. That's spelt www.etsy.com slash M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T photo. Thanks for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.